Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're in for extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Stephen Houston. Well, the All Blacks are off to the World Cup in Japan on Monday, but first they have to get past Tonga and Hamilton on Saturday night. But just how useful is this final test for the All Blacks and what will Tonga be looking to get out of it? Also, the woeful Warriors season wraps up this weekend amid discussions around another change of ownership. We'll talk about that too. We'll also hear from shot putter Tom Walsh, who became the first male shot putter to defend the Diamond League title. Cyclist Patrick Bevan gears up for the Road Cycling World Champs. Well, I'm joined now by our rugby reporter Joe Porter, Vinnie Wiley from RNZ Pacific, and columnist Hamish Bidwell to discuss the All Blacks' final hit out before the World Cup. Joe, if we start with you, what are the All Blacks looking for out of this test? Because Steve Hansen, re- well, he has rejigged things quite a bit, and over half the starting lineups now from the Crusaders. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, are you, what, what is this weekend about? I think it's largely about no one getting hurt, to be perfectly honest. That's the last thing they need before they go away is any more injuries with you know, the guys they've left out this week carrying what they call a niggles, but you never know quite how bad they're going to be with guys like Sonny Bill. So I think they want an injury-free performance largely, and apart from that, a few of these other guys that are in consideration, they want to see Ryan Crotty, I guess, taking off where he left off and you know proving that he's an, a genuine option for South Africa and that he's ready in that first pool game. They'd like to see another performance from Patrick Tuipulotu that suggests he's ready for South Africa, so should that be the case. They want Scott Barrett to come back and hit the ground running. Uh, Luke Jacobson to prove that they've made the right choice in the flanking department, loose forward department, that his physicality will match the Tongans and able to get the job done. And I guess a few of those guys, uh, like Ben Smith, to refine some form and, and provide him a genuine selection option ahead of South Africa because you wouldn't pick Ben Smith at the moment. Hamish, I mean, presumably a few of these guys, or maybe all of them, have already got one foot on the plane. How, how tough is it for them, this test? Oh, I wouldn't say tough. I, I'm not sort of prone to sparing a thought for the All Blacks. Um, I think the game's utterly worthless, to go back to your original question. Um, <laughs> they're better off playing the Heartland 15 or some of the old geezers who are doing the curtain raiser. I just think Tonga are rubbish and they're going to get done by 100 <laughs> points. Uh, all that can happen is a black or two can get injured. They're better off having had as an opposed training or, you know, genuinely, like, as I say, playing the Heartland 15 or something. They're just Tonga in no opposition. Name serves no purpose. Um, if someone such as Ben Smith plays well, it will mean nothing because it won't make up for the deficiencies that are so apparent in this game. Tonga are in no opposition, as I say, and I just think it's a waste of time. And it will mean nothing, and all they can do is harm themselves by getting hurt. you got no time for Ben Smith at the moment? Well, see, it's a problem, isn't it? He can only play 15, but they're wedded to the Moanga Barrett 10-15 combo. So, if he can't play on the wing, he's low, he lacks confidence, he makes the attack too narrow because he cuts in all the time. If you play him at fullback, they've abandoned the Moanga Barrett thing, which is clearly something they've wedded themselves to. So, I just I don't see where he fits in, frankly. And I, on that basis, I understand he's a senior All Black and an important member of the culture and that. But I don't think he actually serves a lot of a playing purpose. Um, and I don't really understand why he's on the plane. Vinny, um, according to, to Hamish, it's a complete waste of time for, for, for Tonga too, is it? Well, I think their head coach Toto Kefu, uh, obviously former Wallaby, he was somewhat diplomatic uh, at their uh, one of their media opportunities this week, saying that. It's a very, 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 very small chance, but for them it's a chance. 
Um, so that's kind of what they're holding on to, grasping on to. Uh, uh, from Tonga's perspective, I think regardless of the scoreline, they, they just need matches and, and time together. Uh, Kefu has said a few times over the last month or more that this team isn't fit enough yet, that some of these guys need matches under their belts, and a lot of them don't often get it, for their country especially. Uh, they might have long seasons with their clubs, but you know a World Cup year like this is an absolute aberration to have four, five, six matches before a World Cup, so to play 10, 11 games in a year. So the more time together these Pacific countries always say, the better they get. So uh, whether it's against the All Blacks or whether it's against uh, Fiji or, or whatever it may be, uh, they'll take that. Because they, you know, against Fiji, who really should be winning quite comfortably against Tonga with the resources and players that they have, they weren't brilliant Tonga. They made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, they only lost by 10 points. I think they'll take a lot of heart from that. Clearly going to the All Blacks is a, a big step up. Um but, yeah, I mean, don't expect them to win, obviously. But, uh, yeah, will it be a cricket score? Will they get a couple of tries? I don't know. I, mean, I think maybe sort of 50, 60, 70, I don't know. Some people are saying in the sort of hundreds that I don't think it'll be quite that bad. I mean, the All Blacks have yet to really click this year, regardless of who they've played either. So, um, yeah. No, I mean, they've, they've done it tough, though, haven't they, Tom, with this other What, just one test win? Yeah, yeah, they've, they've had some tough games. They went up to, well, they beat Samoa and if the listeners uh, remember that match, that absolute mud bath in Apia where it was barely a rugby ground. So they won that game. It's a win, but a bit like the fog final in Super Rugby back in the day, how can you really judge a performance when the conditions were so extreme? Uh, so they beat Samoa, then they went to Japan, got absolutely pumped by Jamie Joseph's team who have had a very thorough build-up. The hosts and are looking pretty sharp and fit and, and quick and a lot quicker than Tonga are. Um, but they've got a decent forward pack, Tonga. They, you know, they, they gave Fiji a bit of a working over. They've given a few teams a bit of a working over, and that clearly is where their strengths lie and where they're going to focus. Um, but if they get any ball, it's just whether they can do anything with it, really. I suppose one of the, the talking points this week, Vinny, for, for Tonga has been uh, the picking of Christchurch roofer Siwa Miley. Yes, uh, an absolutely um, bonkers uh, selection in a way. Uh, Quite bizarre, really. Elvis Tione is 36 years old, uh, captained Tonga in that game against Samoa about five, six weeks ago, um, and a senior member of their team, not the starting hooker. He got dropped for Siwa Mailea to the World Cup squad on Monday, so that was a huge bolter, you know, out of the blue. And Toto Kefu had never heard of him. He was recommended by the Crusaders forwards coach Jason Ryan to Dan Cron, who works with the Hurricanes and is uh, the Tongan forwards coach. So they just picked him on potential, didn't intend to play him at the World Cup. Suddenly, leading up to the All Blacks week, their two frontline hookers get injured, and he's starting a test match against Cody Taylor, who he'd probably maybe know from the Canterbury system. He's never played a first-class game. He's maybe played one or two times for Canterbury B. Um, he's the first player from the Shirley Club in Christchurch to um, be in an NPC team, yet alone anything higher, for about a decade. Um, yeah, and he's... His wife had a baby six uh, about a month ago, and he got married six six months ago. It's been a hell of a uh, short period for this guy, and he's never played a first class game, and he's marking the All Blacks. So uh, I, I think he's a little bit shell shocked, is what uh, the coaching staff said. And how could you not be, Joe? Uh, cricket score is it going to be in Hamilton on Saturday night? I don't know if it's going to be a hundred. I think fifty is probably more likely. Um, uh, conditions could play a role as well. It's been drizzling on and off all week here in Hamilton. I'm not exactly sure what the forecast is for Saturday, but um, I'm again, afternoon game. Hopefully, the, if the sun comes out, you know the All Blacks could run right. I think 50, 60 is probably more accurate than 100. I don't think it'll go quite that far. Hamish, back to you. We'll move on to the the Warriors. Their season wraps up this week, but there's also the, the whole talk about ownership. Um, I mean. <laughs> Woeful pretty much sums it up, doesn't it really? I mean, if we start just as a as a, a, a wee season, uh, re you know sort of wrap up. I mean, what what are your thoughts? 
Um, it's been really poor. They should have been a playoff team again this year. They only lost Sean Johnson, who in many ways was a was a win for them. They needed to get rid of him. He was um he was holding that club back with his unprofessionalism, his um his lack of consistency and uh, training ethic. He just was symptomatic of everything that was wrong with the club. And parting with him was a, a really positive sign, um, I felt. And the other loss was James Gabbett, who went to Newcastle, and his his loss has been felt because he was someone who could carry the ball forward. And the Warriors, bless them, they don't have any grunt in their pack, and that's one of the issues that they faced. But they set up for success. I'm not sold on Cameron George, the CEO. I think he talks too much. And Stephen Kearney's win rate as a coach in the NRL is about 30%. And while he's sat next to people like Wayne Bennett and, and uh, Craig Bellamy, that doesn't mean he's either of those men. And I don't think, I think people who conflate assistant roles and assume that because you've worked for someone that you're going to be as good as them, I think that's nonsense. But, but that being what it is, um, they've got Brian Smith as head of football, who's one of the best operators around. Peter O'Sullivan, who's a renowned uh, recruitment guy who's been at various clubs and is you know at the top of his field Alex Corvo the fitness trainer is one of the best in the in the competition having worked with people people like the Broncos and the Kangaroos so they're set up off the park to be successful they have the right brains trust and yet they've been so poor on the park and I think a lot of that has to go to Kearney the ownership thing's coming up again but teams aren't affected by ownership as long as they get paid they don't even hardly know who these people are they couldn't probably name them they might recognize them by sight and shake their hand in the play in the box after the game but they don't have any day-to-day dealings with these people and they don't care. But the football's been poor. And I can only, as I say, shoot that back to Kearney. The recruitment wasn't great this year. Getting in at least an Armo, he's been awful. Um, they've let people like Sam Lasswani get fat. Ignatius Parsi's got no grunt. He's one of them starting props every week and, and it offers very little so they've got it wrong this year and I, as I say I shoot that back to Kearney because I think we've got the right people around them and they have a playoff roster from last year that hasn't changed a lot you know Nick Arima came in for, for Johnson basically as a swap and there he's an international halfback you know he'd come from the Broncos so there's not a lot changed and for them to be so bad this year I think reflects really poorly on the head coach. So the whole debate around ownership I mean it's you know what do you, what do you make of that will, will that actually have any effect on performance? It's one of those industry stories you know what I mean like people in the news industry Oh, oh, look at this, and I've uncovered this, and I've talked to him, and consortium this, private owner that, and the man in the street doesn't care, doesn't know about these people, not interested in them. Players, as I say, they don't care either. Um, if it's in turmoil and no one's been paid for for six weeks and all that kind of stuff, then sure, players will will notice, players will care, you know. Or if it's a celebrity sort of person like Russell Crowe, and suddenly you go to A-list parties and hanging out with Tom Cruise, well, yeah, there's a discernible difference in your life at that point. But week in week out, guys don't have anything to do with these owners whoever they are, whether it be they consortiums or, or private individuals, and they, they just they don't care. And as I say, the people on the street, people who support the club, they don't give a hoot either. So it's just, as I say, an industry story. Hey, Miss Bidwell, uh, Joe Porter, Vinnie Wiley, thanks for your thoughts there on uh, the rugby the rugby test and, and the Warriors. So uh, we'll see how things shape up over this weekend. The South Canterbury builder Tom Walsh continues to dominate the world shot put scene. Walsh has become the first man in history to defend the Diamond League shot put title and says he wants to be the first to do a lot of things. The reigning world champion has won the season finale in Brussels with a throw of 22.30 metres. It continues an excellent run of form for Walsh who has now thrown beyond 22 metres in six of his eight most recent competitions. He's now preparing to defend his title at the World Champs in Doha next month and told Bridget Tunnicliffe He's in a confident frame of mind. It feels uh, very good, actually. It, uh, uh, I'm pretty happy with, with where where I am at the moment, where the team's kind of got me over the last, uh, you know, six to eight weeks, especially uh, after my first hit out in Europe uh, in kind of June, July. Um, so, uh, and, and, and the fact that I've been so consistent over the, these, these four competitions too, which is really, really good. I think you've said yourself that the competition is so close now that any one of you know the top seven can win. So 
mm-hmm. the fact that you're achieving this consistency must be really confidence building. Yeah, it, it is. I, I just feel also one thing, you know, I need more is I just need to, you know, I need to get a little bit of a bigger one out there uh, for sure. And, and you know, may, and, and maybe I'm saving it for for the right time, which is in uh, three weeks' time. But uh, the consistency definitely helps things. It helps with my confidence and helps with my belief that we've all been doing the right things. So, um, yeah, all in all, uh, really happy with the, with the way things are going. So you feel like you've got a bigger throw in you that you, you can launch fairly soon? For sure. Uh, you know, there's, I, I have, I've never been uh, this consistent with, with throwing over 22 metres, and, and I'm doing it multiple times in, in competitions at the moment. So, uh, I'm, yeah, again, it's, uh, I'm in a great spot, and uh, hopefully these, these next uh, two or three weeks I can, I can keep building and keep nailing you know, my te- technical things well and, and uh, get one a little bit further out there at World Champs. Do you put that consistency down to anything? Is it maybe you're just reaching a, a maturity point in your career? Uh, yeah, look, I think... There's no doubt to say that, that uh, the team and I understand where I need to be um, to, to throw far, and, and I know what it takes now more and more too. So uh, the maturity thing definitely has a big big part of it. Um, and also, look, it's just another year of training uh, under my belt too, so there's, there's kind of that too. It's the fact that you are the first man in history to defend the Diamond League shot put title must be a great feeling. It is indeed. Um, you know, I wanted to, I want to be the first man in, in history to do a lot of things, and, and it's just another one to kind of tick the box and, and, and move on and make sure that you know I I've got to stay hungry and, and and keep keep trying to achieve these these goals that that uh, me and my team have, have set for us and uh, to achieve because you know I'm, at the moment we're, we're doing the right things and we're we're getting closer and closer to them. That's Tom Walsh talking to Bridget Tunnicliffe. The New Zealand cyclist Patrick Bevan has renewed hopes of a podium finish at this month's Road World Champs in Yorkshire after finishing runner-up on stage 10 of the Volta a España this week. Bevan bounced back from breaking two ribs in the Tour de France, a two-clock the second-best time in the individual time trial and power, behind only race leader Primoz Roglic. Bevan spoke to Brenton Van Nisselrooy after he had had time to digest the significance of his ride. This is a really, really good benchmark. Look, I'm on the way, on the way back to being fit. I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of time to train before the Volta. It, uh, it's been a real juggling act. I spent three weeks completely off the bike, and it only really gave me uh, three full weeks of training before coming to the Volta. And it's been an extremely tough race uh, for for everyone, not just the guys racing day in day out. So. It's definitely been a balancing act, and it's nice to have uh, have got it mostly right. I feel um, it's good to have have the time trial today to to kind of have a benchmark and not be not be a million miles off, but know that there's still a bit more in the tank uh, with Worlds kind of three and a bit weeks away. So it's another three weeks. It's another. It's, it's yeah. There's a lot of time left to kind of uh, finalise that that build up. Yeah, what is the the thinking around that next three and a half weeks? What will you do? You expect to be there through to the finish of the Vuelta, or do you do you leave and just turn your preparations all on the worlds? Um, I think I stay. Um, it's once again, it's a little bit risky. Um, obviously, you can control training, you can't control racing, but you don't get the the level the, the level of fitness, the level of uh, competition and training that you get at the Vuelta. And, and seeing I have had a had had that. 
block in the middle of the year without racing. I think the best thing for me is to uh, to race through, and I'm excited about racing through. The first half of this race has been uh, kind of uh, almost frustrating is the word because I've been kind of getting around. I, I didn't come in full fitness. I've been trying to moderate my load and effort to be good today, and now the brakes kind of come off, and I've got 10 more stages where I actually get to race, and uh, I feel like I'm in, in a good position to kind of really get a lot out of the last 10 days. Given that you're still building that fitness, what do you think you can achieve come the World Champs now? Look, the aim, the aim this year is the podium. Um, I was I was eighth last year in my first kind of Worlds, and uh, juggling juggling the season is hard, but as you kind of mature um, year in, year out, you get better at it, and I feel like kind of the, the power the we saw today, um, if you kind of keep keep the build going and stay healthy and and get get another another two weeks of really really high end work under the belt. Then there's not going to be a lot of guys fitter come come world. So it's it's about kind of managing that load and and yeah, you want to aim high. Um, I honestly believe Roglic has been the the form guy this year on any time trial that's had any kind of ups and downs or any length. So it's a it's nice to be close to him and and yeah, to to me he's the He's the yardstick, and uh, the next couple of weeks for us look very, very different uh, with different goals. So, yeah, maybe if I can squeeze out a bit more come come Worlds, we, we start looking at, uh, at, at towards the top of the result sheet. That's Patrick Bevan talking to Brenton Van Nisselroy. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at rnz.co.nz. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Houston. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.